Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. The Bigger Picture, only on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to The Bigger Picture. So, the real estate sector in Asia has been through quite a year this past 2023. With inflationary pressures and other economic headwinds, different countries faced different challenges, but some did better than others. Singapore and Japan's markets staying resilient, while China's property crisis had some trickle down effects on key APEC partners. So, looking ahead, what can investors look for? Forward to this year. Joining us to shed some light on this is Regina Lim. She's the head of research APAC at MNG Real Estate. Happy Friday, Regina. Thanks for joining us this morning. How are you? Good morning. Very happy to be on radio today. <laughs> happy to have you on. Lots to talk about. So, quite a ride we were on last year. Let's look ahead to what to expect this year in the real estate sector with potential rate, interest rate cuts and ongoing inflationary pressures. Can you give us a snapshot of the key growth? Aspects and trends we can expect in 2024? Yeah, so actually, we think that 2024 will be slightly weaker than 2023. Mm. And that's partly due to the continued slower growth in China. And I think what will happen is that investors in Asia Pacific will remain cautious. They will have smaller risk appetites. It will probably reduce their leasing risk or even their development exposure. Mm. And they will try to stay with uh, more resilient sectors or assets with more predictable income. Profiles. But I have to say that relative to US and Europe, our economy is still expected to be pretty resilient in 2024 and 2025, going by 2.5 to 3%. And also, inflation in Asia Pacific is also less severe compared to the rest of the world. And when we speak to global investors, it seems that they still continue to see Asia Pacific as an effective source of diversification for their global portfolios. And that will help them to achieve stable, risk adjusted returns. I think this. Year, people will continue to deleverage because, as you said, you know, the cost of real estate that has increased over the last 18 months. And even if we do see interest rate cuts, I think the cost of financing will continue to be pretty high. Mm. Banks are also tightening their lending criteria and their loan to value ratios. And when we see equity raisings in 2023 has also dipped, which means that there's less capital for deployment in general in 2024. So I think this is an opportunity opportunity for non-bank lenders as mm. banks retreat from lending, they can step up and capitalize on this gap that's created potentially to grow market share, especially in Australia or maybe to some extent in Korea. But for people with capital, this is a great year to be buying assets because I expect there will be more for sellers in 2024 as people are looking for more capital to, to refinance their assets. It would be an opportunity for people to think about buying into assets because I think 2024 is a great long-term value opportunity to create the next best vintage of investment. Okay, so the Asia-Pacific real estate sector possibly still going to be an attractive opportunity for overseas investors looking to diversify their portfolios. You mentioned China there. Let's delve into that a bit more. Its property crisis has been making headlines as of late, you know, with a slew of recent challenges. How does MNG assess the impact of China's property crisis going forward? Okay, 
firstly, I have to clarify that MNG, we do not currently invest in China real estate. Okay. Our investments are sitting in Australia, in Japan, Korea, Hong Kong, and Singapore. Mm. But we're watching China very closely because a lot of our investments in Asia Pacific are going to be impacted if China continues to leak. I think what's happened is, despite the fact that the China government has been trying to restrain the growth of prices in the real estate sector in China, it's continued to bubble. And as you know, over the last 18 months, prices have weakened, sales have dropped, the sector is highly indebted, and also the economy is facing very muted domestic consumption. So since a year ago, there have been policy stimulus, interest rate cuts, they've tried to lift mortgage cap and remove home purchase restrictions. Some of these steps did not seem to sufficiently restore confidence and improve consumer sentiment. I think they will probably do more and the slowdown in the global tech cycle last year has also impacted China's exports. So for us, we see economies such as Australia and Korea as very close trading partners of China and I think the slowdown could pose some downside risk to Australia and Korea's economy and the occupiers demand for offices, for logistics, for retail. So I think if our tenants are having these renewals, we would be more cautious about trying to keep them and making sure that they are happy and we will try to be proactive to meet their needs because I think expansion needs and take-on development rates will be a lot slower this year. Yeah, so China's slower growth expected to have a ripple effect on key APAC trading partners. But let's go over to Japan. The real estate landscape there paints a much more positive picture The market showcased remarkable resilience. What do you think has contributed to the strength of Japan's property market? I think Japan has totally bucked the trend. Values have held up in the last few years. And even in 2023, borrowing costs stayed low and cap rates continued to compress. And that is in stark contrast to the rest of the world. But Mm. on the other hand, wages have started to increase in 2023 in Japan for the first time in 30 years. And we think that this is going to stick and inflation and interest rate will start to gradually rise over the next few years. Uh, In fact, last year, we already saw small steps where the Bank of Japan took three gradual steps to tighten monetary policy. And we saw long-term borrowing costs and bond yields rising moderately. This is likely to, to continue if if all goes well. And Japan is gradually coming out of deflation. The labor participation rate for women is now higher than the OECD countries because of very supportive policies over the last few years. I think finally they can start to consider raising policy rates from the current negative 0.1%. So I think these are all positive for the economy, but from our perspective, there's the risk that these adjustments could be, the pace and the magnitude could be more dramatic than what investors are currently pricing in, depending on inflation and economic conditions. So if rates are raised faster or bigger than what we think, there will be implications on property values, especially for assets where the rental growth is not outpacing inflation. But that said, I think we would partially mitigated by a recovery in the Japanese yen, which has corrected significantly in the last two years to the interest rate differential between US and Japan. So even if we see some weakening in capital values, it could be mitigated by the currency. All right, before we let you go, Regina, the report M&G compiled to outline 2024's outlook also touches on reshoring and nearshoring trends to strengthen supply chains. How do you anticipate markets benefiting from the shift? 
people after COVID have realised that they really need to de-risk the way they are buying goods and manufacturing their goods where they source their chips and so on. So across the globe, countries and consumers are thinking about where they should be sourcing their goods. And I think this deglobalization or reshoring trend is finding new sources. And for example, Japan and Korea, they've always had very deep ecosystems of components, suppliers, of manufacturers, very good quality professionals with very high quality controls. And I think they are benefiting as manufacturers look for new places to do business. For example, TSMC, they are building their second plant in Japan and some of the products we're seeing in our households are moving back into manufacturing in Korea. And that's boosting demand for manufacturing and logistics in Japan and Korea. All right, lots to look forward to and keep track of in the real estate sector in Asia this year. Thanks, Regina, for the update and for joining the show. Have a great weekend. Thank you. We were speaking with Regina Lim, Head of Research in APAC at MNG Real Estate. Keep it here on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to the full interview, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.